children from kindergarten through sixth grade would be dismissed for Children's Church uh, with uh, Miss Kim and Miss Steph this morning. There'll be sermon notes in your bulletins, um, and we will look through this passage this morning as we begin uh, looking at some specific messages on 40 days of prayer. But before I do that, I told you there were a couple things I wanted to, to share with you. Um, first thing, last week David Lawfer was here and uh, shared a lot of good information on uh, everything in the history of Israel and helping us to try to, to comprehend how to view, how to pray, how to respond to all that is going on in the Middle East, uh, specifically with Israel, specifically with Hamas. And I know that he did not get uh, to a lot of the modern day, present day stuff. And uh, I've heard good uh, feedback from a number of you and it seems good desire to be able to hear more. Um, so I've talked with uh, David this week, and he is willing to come back and is going to come back on a Wednesday night when we would normally have our night of worship and prayer. So Wednesday, November 20, or November, boy, we are really, boy, we are really flying through 20, how did I come up with November? January 24th of 2024, January 24th, 2024 at 6.30 p.m. So it will be kind of a part two. I'm sure he'll do a little bit of a, a recap to kind of catch up if you weren't able to be here. If you weren't able to be here, you can go on uh, our website or go on our church Facebook page under videos. You can catch the video uh, message from last week, the service from last week as well, help you to prepare for that. But part two, January 24th at 6.30 p.m. when we normally have our night of worship and prayer. It'll be a Wednesday night. So... Um, Second thing I wanted to share quickly before we get into the message, and that is, um, as we have launched into 2024, we are in the midst of staff transition uh, here at Dorseyville. Um, we shared last year about uh, the excitement of bringing Mara Howell's husband, Derek, on staff, and so he has begun on January 1st this year, and his role is pastoral resident, Mara is missions resident, Her, his is pastoral resident, so he has started in his role. Uh, you may wonder, where are Derek and Mara at today? Uh, they are in uh, Columbus, Ohio for a couple of things. They went on Friday for what's called a candidate development weekend. Uh, their ultimate goal is to go overseas with the, with the Alliance. And so this is a weekend specifically for those who are preparing to go overseas. So they're with about 38 to 40 other individuals who are preparing to go. And then they are following that up here with, in the beginning of this week with a uh, gathering called Converge, which is an alliance gathering also in Columbus uh, that helps those who are involved in missions mobilization, getting the church uh, to share the gospel in their local community and to the ends of the earth. And so they are going to be there for that as well. So that is why Derek and Mara are not here. They'll be here next weekend. But I ask you to pray for us because there's a lot of transition, a lot that probably most people don't see, but that is uh, really something that, that needs your grace needs your prayers, and there will be ways that we will be continuing to welcome all of our church family into ministry together, uh, because Derek is here for about 32 hours a week. Mara has gone from a full-time position to a part-time position. Uh, Leah has adjusted some of her hours. She has become part-time here at the church as well. So there's a, a lot of transition that in these next couple months are going to need some kind of figuring out and listening to the Spirit and adjustment and just seeing how it all works together. 
Um, so pray for us, pray for that transition, pray for uh, grace in it, and pray for how the Lord might uh, be welcoming you into uh, that whole process as well. Last thing I want to say, and that is a very, very, very big thank you uh, for all those who contributed to the Christmas gift to me and my family. Uh, we are so grateful for your kindness and generosity expressed in that, and uh, we just uh, counted a joy to be able to be a part of this church family and to serve and to lead in that way, and I uh, just want to express my uh, heartfelt gratitude and thanks to all of you for that kindness expressed in that, in that gift at Christmas. All right. Now, into the message. We're in this 40 days of prayer. This morning, we are beginning with this idea of wake up now. Wake up now. And I may need you to flip through for me, Harry. Uh, wake up now. There are these topics, and we are at the end of week one, wake up now. Uh, we begin this coming week, pray now, his now, worship now, family now, evangelize now. Those are all the topics through this 40 days of prayer. We will not be hitting every single one of those because uh, we will have Eric and Vicki here with us, and so that'll be a missions-focused day. And so we're going to be looking at about four of the six topics. Uh, you'll trust you to those devotions, but messages will be on four of the six topics. Next week, we'll be talking about his now, our identity in Christ. But today... We talk about wake up now, and I'll be utilizing a few concepts from a, an outline created by our national office through a man named Cyro Castro, and so we look forward to what the Lord has to say to us through Romans 13 this morning. So last Sunday, New Year's Eve, plan to spend it as a family, go to church together in the morning, have some special food to eat, uh, watch the Steelers game in the afternoon, had some games that we were going to play, and we we're going to watch one of our family's favorite TV shows, number of episodes of that, as we spent time together on New Year's Eve, and we're going to ring in the new year together. How many had great aspirations of ringing in the new year at 12 a.m.? Well, our family did, and five of the six of us accomplished it. Guess which one did not? Me. Last thing I remember was 11.45 p.m. on the couch, watching the show, determined to stay awake. And the next thing I remember, it is 12.30 a.m. on January 1st, 2024. I slept through ringing in the new year. I fell asleep. I missed it because I fell asleep. As we begin 40 days of prayer, we start with this focus of being awake spiritually, of having spiritual alertness. Just like I struggled to stay awake physically, one of the greatest challenges of the church in the West and the church in America is spiritual slumber, spiritual alertness, spiritual awakeness. 
number of years ago, there was a documentary entitled Sheep Among Wolves, which was a documentary about the church in Iran, which is one of the fastest growing churches in the world nationally in a, in a space, in a country, in the midst of overwhelming persecution, threats of jail, threats of casting out of society, even threats of death. And a number of the people that they interviewed, one of them was a woman who had the opportunity to escape the persecution that she was under and come to the United States. And as she came to the United States, we would hear in the West say, oh, she, she came to the, the, the land of the free where she was able to worship freely. She was able to get out of all of that persecution. But in the midst of it, she came to a reality of what she called a satanic lullaby in America. This drowning out of hunger, even as we prayed for that expressing longing and hunger and thirst for God, of this satanic, demonic work to put the church in a slumber. And she felt it so strongly that she made the decision to go back to Iran under the threat of persecution, jailing, even death, because she recognized how intense the attack to become spiritually slumbering was, that it was better for her to live in the face of persecution than to face the slumber that was there in front of her. I ask you this morning, how would you define your sp- your, yourself spiritually? Would you say that you're like this person in this first slide, asleep? Or would you say that you're like the person in the second slide, drowsy? Or would you say you're like this third person, awake but tired? Or would you say you're like this fourth person, wide awake. As we move through this message this morning, I want to just ask the Holy Spirit this morning. Holy Spirit, even now, would you begin to show us our own spiritual state? Show us if we're asleep. Show us if we're spiritually drowsy. Show us if we're awake but tired. Show us if we're wide awake that we might be fully awake to the things of God in our lives. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to speak to us now on this. In Jesus' name, amen. Two thoughts as we consider this idea of being spiritually awake. Wake up now. The first thought is this. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. In verses 11 through the first half of verse 12, there are three time frames that are mentioned. The first time frame we find in the first part of verse 11 when it says this, and do this understanding the present time, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. The first time frame mentioned that Paul uses is that the hour has come. He says this, and do this, understanding the present time. Which prompts us to ask this question. What is this? 
So in other words, and do what? Understanding the present time. Most commentators believe that what Paul is referencing is what he has written in the first 10 verses of Romans chapter 13. In verses 1 through 7, he talks about submitting to governing authorities. He makes the point that, they, that governing authorities are established by God. And because they are established by God, obedience to them equals obedience to God, and disobedience to them equals disobedience to God. Now, as soon as we read that, especially in these last three or four years, there has been lots of questions that immediately pop up. Like, well, what do we do about this? And do we obey this? And don't we, do we not obey that? And how do you wrestle this out? Romans 13 has become one of those passages that has been hotly debated amongst Christians of do we always obey what the governing authorities say? Now, that would be a whole message in itself. But the purpose of bringing that up this morning is simply to say this. There are lots of questions that can arise, but the baseline that Paul gives is this, submit to governing authorities. So that as a result, verses six and seven, he says, if you have taxes that are due, pay taxes. If you have revenue that's due, pay revenue. If you have respect that's due, give respect. If you have honor that's due, give honor so that no debt is left unpaid. But in verses eight through 10, he gives us the second do what, do this, and that is that there is one debt that is to be left unpaid, and we see that in verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. What Paul is saying is all of the commands of God are fulfilled in this one command to love your neighbor as yourself because you will never come to the end of loving those around you. It is always a debt we have to pay. Do what? Submit to the governing authorities and love your neighbor so that that debt is always being paid. He then goes on, but he says, do this understanding the present time. What is this present time? The present time is the period that we are now living in after the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus until his sure and certain coming again. In Acts chapter 1, as Jesus ascends into heaven, the angels come and they tell the disciples who are looking up, going, what in the world just happened? He said, go back to Jerusalem, for as he went, he will return again. As he went personally and visibly, he is coming again. The Bible calls this present time the last days. The days from when Jesus ascended into heaven after his resurrection to the, days that, to the day that he returns, we are living in the last days. And so Paul says, and do these things, verses 1 through 10, understanding the present time that we are living in the last days. So that the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, 
probably the best translation is the hour is already here for you to wake up from your spiritual slumber. In other words, there should not be a moment from what Paul is saying. He's calling us and has been calling us for 2,000 years almost (laughs) to not be people who are drowsy, to not be people who are asleep, to not be people who are awake but tired, but to be people who are fully awake, not slumbering spiritually, aware, aware of these present days we live in. The hour has come. The second time frame that Paul gives is this nearer period. For salvation is nearer than it was, he says in the second half of verse 11, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. There are three stages to salvation. We are saved. When you come to a place of faith in Jesus Christ, you are made legally right with God. You are saved. We live in another period where we are working that salvation out. Another word for it is sanctification. So we are being saved. The grace of God is touching the various parts of our lives. We are being changed. We are being transformed. Leah prayed for that, that we'd be transformed as we read the scriptures, as we continued to worship, as we took communion, that we would have that salvation continuing in our lives. And one day, we will be fully saved. When we are with the Lord, our salvation will be complete. And so it's in that idea of our being and will be saved that Paul says our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The fullness of my salvation in Christ is nearer now than when I was first coming to that place of being saved, or or that I was saved as a six-year-old in my Sunday school class in Warren, Ohio. I am closer now, and you are closer now, if you have received Christ already, you are closer now to the fullness of your salvation. As we wait, we are closer because of really two realities. The first one is death. Something that... None of us will be able to escape. It's a certainty. It's unknown when it will happen. But we are nearer now to the fullness and the completion of our salvation because of this thing that is approaching death. This week, a friend of mine named Tom passed away. And the events around his death were ones that he would not have expected. He had a a freak accident in his home that set off a number of various complications that ultimately ended in death. My friend Tom, about a week and a half ago, would not have expected that today the fullness of his salvation would have been realized. He was ready. He knew the Lord. He was walking with the Lord. And so his salvation is now complete. He is with the Lord. But none of us know, none of us know when death will come for us. He didn't expect it, even though it was a certainty for him, just as it's a certainty for us. And so this hour and this reality of salvation being nearer than it was is because death is a certainty, one that we must be ready for. 
And it is one of those certainties that is a motivation for us to be fully awake. We don't know whether we have time to wake up. We don't know when death will come to us. And so it is a motivation for us that today we would be fully awake. The hour has come. The hour is here. The second reason that salvation is nearer than it was is because of the sure and certain return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't know when he will return. Even Jesus himself said, only the Father knows, the Son does not even know when he will return. But this is what we know. He is coming, and he could come at any moment. And so you and I need to be people that just as we know that death could come for us at any moment, that we are watching and we are ready for the any time sure and certain return of the Lord Jesus. Because we need to be fully awake. We can't one day say, oh, I was kind of drowsy and Jesus returned. We want to be people because the hour has already come. It's already here. The return of Christ and the, the certainty of death are motivations for us to be people who wake up, who wake up and who know and are working to be people fully awake because our salvation is nearer than it was. The ter- third time frame that Paul gives is this. Night is becoming day. Night is becoming day. It's time to wake up because night is becoming day. First half of verse 12, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Paul uses the image of night to refer to the period of the last days that we're living in. And the day refers to the moment when Jesus returns. And only the light of God will be what gives us light. He will be our light forever and ever. And so as our salvation approaches, night is lessening. Day is increasing. We are coming closer and closer. And the night, Paul says, is almost over. The day is almost here. We need to be people who are ready, who are waking up. The time is now to wake up. So whether you are asleep or whether you are drowsy or whether you are awake but you're tired or whether you're fully awake, the hour is now. It's time to wake up as we approach the completion of our salvation as night is being swallowed up by the sure and certain coming of our King. So how do we wake up? How do we wake up? We wake up as we pursue the awakened life. We pursue the awakened life. The rest of this passage speaks to this in verses 12b through 14. Three actions that Paul gives us to take. The first is to put off the deeds of darkness. Put off the deeds of darkness. Verses 12 through 14, read them, and then we'll, these will be the, the verses that we unpack for the remainder of the message. Verse 12, the night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. 
Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Brothers and sisters, you and I are people of the day. We are not people of the night. And so Paul says, let us behave decently. Let us behave decently as in the daytime. Before we moved here to Dorseyville, the church we were at before in Emporium, the last uh, little over two years that we were there, I served as a state police chaplain. And state police officers would have the various shifts. You'd have the 7 a.m. to 3 p.m., the 3 p.m. to 11 p.m., and the 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. shift. And everybody, at least once a month, would get that dreaded night shift. So you can imagine if sometimes you're on day shift, sometimes you're on afternoon shift, and then sometimes you're on night shift for a week at a time, that would really mess up your sleep schedule to not know when you were going to work, especially when you hit that 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. shift just for a week. And so those state police troopers would, would really dread, oh, I'm on night shift, no fun, because it would mess them up so much on their sleep. But there was another reason that they dreaded that night shift, the 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. And that was because in that shift was when the craziest stuff happened. It's true that nothing good happens in the dark. They had all kinds of stories of the things that would happen in that shift because the deeds of darkness come out in the night. Ancient Jews actually believed that the hour between 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. was when the demonic was most active on the earth. Bad stuff happens in the dark. And so as Paul says and reminds us that we are the people of the day, not people of the darkness, that we are to put aside the deeds of darkness... He then lists a number of those sinful deeds, orgies, drunkenness, sexual immorality, debauchery, dissension, and jealousy. Ones that we would say, oh yeah, those are the big ones. Those are some of those ones that we would know don't get involved in those things. Paul says at the end of verse 14, and do not even think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature or our flesh. Those desires within us that are opposed to the way of God. He said, don't even sit around and think, how can I give some gratification to that desire? Because you are people of the day, not people of the night. Well, there's a parallel passage in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 14, I encourage you to read that. But Paul says that we are to wake up and live as children of light. You once were darkness, now you are light in the Lord, he said. So live as children of light. And he concludes that passage in verse 14 by saying, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. He's not talking to unbelievers. He is talking to believers at the church in Ephesus. There were some who were sleeping. 
The commentary Blue Letter Bible says that the word for sleeper is a metaphor for one who yields to sloth and sin and is indifferent to salvation. So when you think of sleeping, when you think of this being asleep, slumbering, it's yielding to sloth and sin. Sloth is that laziness and sin and being indifferent to your salvation. We often focus on the worst of the sins and well we should. But there is this idea of sloth this idea of indifference to sin that lulls us into slumber, that puts us in a place where we become spiritually drowsy, spiritually asleep, where we go through the motions of the, of the, of the Christian life without passion, without hunger, without thirst. Spiritual sleepiness is a huge obstacle to the life that Jesus modeled for us and calls us to. And so these deeds, these deeds of darkness have to be put off. They won't just happen. There has to be intentionality to put off the deeds of darkness because they are the ones that cause you to be asleep. They are the ones that cause you to be drowsy. Friends, when was the last time you looked at your life and said, Lord, what are the things in my life that are a threat to my spiritual vitality, my spiritual alertness? Oftentimes we become so comfortable with the things that are in our lives that we may not even be aware of the things that are causing us to slumber or be drowsy. Oftentimes we're really good at seeing them in other people's lives. But not as often good at seeing them in our own lives. And so the cry of David in Psalm 139, search me, Lord, and see if there be any wicked way in me is a prayer to bring before the Holy Spirit. Lord, is there anything that is detrimental, any deeds of darkness, even if it is sloth, even if it is becoming indifferent losing the joy of my salvation? Is there anything, Holy Spirit, that would cause me to be asleep or drowsy that I'm not aware of? Put off the deeds of darkness. As you do that, Paul says, as we put off the deeds of darkness in verse 12, to then put on the armor of light. We put off the works, the deeds of darkness, and we put on the armor of light. Ephesians 6 is another way to say the armor of light is the armor of God. The belt of truth buckled around our waist. The breastplate of righteousness fitted in place. Feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The shield of faith to extinguish all the fiery darts of the evil one. The helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the the word of God. We exchange deeds of darkness for the armor of light. And the armor of God is not a list of individual things that we somehow work to achieve. But they are individual pieces of Christ that he gives to us by his spirit. 
piece by piece, we pursue and we receive the armor of light. As we put off the deeds of darkness, we put on the armor of light. Brothers and sisters, just as I encourage you and encourage myself to ask the Lord, are there any deeds of darkness that are present in my life that need to be put on? I encourage you each day consciously to put on the armor of light, to claim them piece by piece. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Claim them piece by piece. It will allow you to be wide awake. And may I ask you to consider that if you find yourself awake but spiritually tired, could it be because the spiritual battles that you and I face as believers, you are fighting them on your own strength? Could it be that the reason that you are spiritually awake but worn out, tired, beat up, is because you have not put on the armor of light? You were not intended to fight this battle on your own. You were intended to fight this battle by claiming the armor of God, by claiming Christ, by receiving Christ. And may it be possible that if you are awake but tired, that you have been fighting the fight in your own power without the armor. Put it on day by day so that the power, protection, and authority to fight come from Christ and not from you. Lastly, put off the deeds of darkness, put on the armor of light, and clothe yourself with Christ. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ, he says in verse 14. Just as we put on the armor of light, we also clothe ourselves with Christ. He is our example. He clothed himself with human flesh. And so just as he clothed himself with human flesh, we clothe ourselves with Jesus as we pursue union and connection with him. By clothing ourselves with Christ, we pursue Christ's likeness. We reject the desires of the faith or of, of the flesh that we might honor God as Jesus did with his life. The great preacher and writer Charles Spurgeon said it this way. The rags of sin must come off if we put on the robe of Christ. There must be a taking away of the love of sin. There must be a renouncing of the practices and habits of sin, or else a man cannot be a Christian. It will be an idle attempt to try and wear religion as a sort of celestial overall over the top of old sins. Do you hear what he's saying? We can put on Christ, but if what is under that is still all the deeds of darkness, we have not put them on. It's just an overcoat. It's a struggle. There is this intentionality of putting off the deeds of flesh and of instead clothing ourselves with the armor of light and with Christ. Just as putting on the armor of light is a conscious act daily, so clothing ourselves with Christ is a conscious act daily of abiding in him, renewing our minds with scripture, being people of prayer, 
being people of worship, asking the Spirit of God to fill us daily. It enables us to remain wide awake. And just as fighting on our own strength without the armor of light, we may be awake but tired because we have been living in our own energy, not with the energy of Christ by the power of the Spirit. We may be weary for that reason. And so if that is, the Christ life is allowing Jesus to live through us, surrendering control of our lives each day, abiding in him, asking for the filling of his spirit. He is the one who energizes us. He is the one who keeps us awake. As I evaluate my own life in these last, over the last year, I see the need to more regularly and daily claim the armor of light in Christ each day. Not just a few days, but more and more may it be our practice to claim the armor of light and to clothe ourselves with Christ. We will be wide awake if we put off the deeds of darkness, put on the armor of light, and clothe ourselves with Christ. The worship team will lead us here in just a moment with a closing song, and then we'll take communion following that. But may I ask you, in these last moments, what has the Holy Spirit revealed to you? Are you asleep? Are you drowsy? Are you spiritually awake but tired? Or are you wide awake? In some way, shape, or form, to leave here today without listening and responding to what the Holy Spirit would say to us would be putting ourselves in a place of slumber. What is he saying to me? What is he saying to you? Are you awake? And if not, what is Jesus calling you to do to pursue the awakened life? The hour is already here. Wake up. The fullness of your salvation is nearer now than when you first believed. Night is being swallowed up as day approaches as we look to the return of Jesus. As the worship team comes, let's just take a moment to listen to the Spirit of God for each of us individually. So Spirit of God, we do welcome you to to reveal, to confirm where we are. Asleep, slumbering, awake but tired or wide awake. And how, Holy Spirit, would you be leading us? 
what changes do we need to make? What practices do we need to continue? What might we need to put off? What new practices do we adopt? In this 40 days of prayer, wake us up, Lord. Wake us up. For the hour has already come. Receive our worship as we lift it to you. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen.